that are with us this morning. Welcome to uh, New Life Church. We are so honored that you're with us this morning. Amen. We're in uh, week two of our series entitled Pressure. Come on, y'all say pressure. And we know that, man, life is full of pressure. Everywhere you go, there's pressure. You driving in your car, there's pressure in traffic. People honking on their horn, you on your phone at the red light, somebody honking. You got to go to red, the light is green because you're down in this. It's pressure everywhere that you go. On the workplace, there's pressure. In the home, there's pressure. And that's where we're going to settle in today. Today, we're talking about the pressure of family drama. Come on now. That's pressure right there. Pressure in family drama. And can the church say amen? There is pressure in family. And I'm t- some of y'all said it like y'all feeling the pressure right now. It's a family drama. And I'm telling you, man, last week we talked about the pressure of sin and how, man, we're born into sin. You didn't do anything but be born. And guess what? You're born into sin. And we felt talked about the pressure of that and how to overcome the pressure of sin. But today we're going to talk about the pressure of family drama. And the pressure of family drama is real. But we're going to start off with our main uh, scripture verse for this, uh, for this series. And this is how we overcome all the pressures that we feel in life. There's so many different pressures that we could do the rest of the series on pressure for the rest of the year. But we're just going to highlight a few in this series. And this is our main verse on how we overcome any type of pressure that we feel. And it's 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. And it says, you who are, I'm sorry, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So the way that we know that we overcome pressure is because we have to know that he that is within us is greater than he that is in the what? In the world. When you know that God is with you, that God is on your side, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. You can overcome because God has overcome the world. And not only that, but he's greater than anything, any influence, any power, any authority in the world. So we are on the winning side. Victory is ours once you realize that, hey, I'm a child of God, and I know God is with me. He's going to give me the strength to overcome whatever this pressure is that I'm walking through. Amen? And today, we're going to find out that the God that overcome the world is with us. And he's going to help us overcome family drama today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that it's tangible. We can feel it, Lord God. We know that you're with us. I thank you, Lord God, for all of the victories that you have brought us so far, Lord God. And I thank you for the victories that are in our future. And I thank you that today, Lord God, as we talk about family drama, the pressure of family drama, that you would speak clearly to our hearts about the thief, the enemy that would hinder what you were saying or try to distract from us hearing today, Lord God. Let us hear clearly. Give us spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying concerning our family drama. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you read the Bible, which I'm sure everybody does, right? Everybody reads the Bible, right? Yes. Y'all supposed to say yes. But you don't lie in church, though, so don't lie if you don't. I'm just joking. But, uh, but the Bible is full of drama. If you read the Bible, man, they have some crazy stories in the Bible. And I was thinking about, man, 
but this was before I started praying to seek to God about direction. I was like, let me find the craziest family drama story in the Bible that I can talk about to just, and they, man, I'm telling you, they have some crazy family drama stories in the Bible. You just have to read it and find them. But one that I want to highlight is probably one that everybody knows, but I felt like, man, this is what the Lord was showing, uh, showing me and tomorrow because we were talking about this together, going over it. This is the, the, the story that we want to highlight that we felt like, man, there's so many parables that parallel to our lives that we can relate from, from this story. And even before we get into it, if you download our app, all the notes from this message are there. Previous mo- notes from uh, last week on the pressures of sin sermon series. You can listen to all those things on the app updates uh, for upcoming events. All those things are found on our app. Uh, but this story is about Hagar. And we're going to read about a little bit about Hagar. And what happened was Abraham and Sarah obviously were husband and wife. But because they were older and Sarah couldn't become pregnant, she told her husband Abraham, why don't you take my servant Hagar and you take her and you have a child with her that she will give to me and that I'll raise the child as my own. And so Abraham, being the confused brother that he was, He said, okay, (laughs) I think I'll go along with that plan. And so we're going to pick up here in Genesis chapter 16, verse 4. This is not a good thing for you. Don't don't do this, husbands. That's why we have the Bible as a reference point to go back to and say, you know, that's some good wisdom in the Bible. Some I apply and some I just take heed and say, I don't need to do that. But we're going to look at the story of Abraham, Sarah, and uh, Hagar, and it starts in Genesis chapter 16, verse 4. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. So now she's taunting that, ah, that's right, I, your man got me pregnant. And now in the Abraham household, the side chick is causing all type of drama. Oh, yeah, I got your man pregnant. I mean, your man got me pregnant. I've said that backwards, though. Forgive me. I know we live in the crazy times, but that's not it. He got me pregnant. And now she's flaunting and taunting Sarah. Then Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. So Abraham like, well, you told me to do it. What you talking about? This is my fault. This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant, and she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. So Abraham's like, I don't want no parts of this. So all this stress and this drama that you're bringing on me, just do with it whatever you want, because I don't want no parts of this. I'm just doing what you told me to do. That's what Abraham said. Let me pick up. Okay, then Sarah, then Abram replied, look, she is your servant. Deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar harshly that she finally ran away. So Sarah, Sarah treated so bad that Hagar said, I had enough of this, I'm out. So she left. Then the angel of the Lord, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road of Shur. The angel said to, Hagar, to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from? Like he didn't already know. And where are you going? I am running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. 
Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. So recap, Abraham, Sarah can't get pregnant. Sarah says, I'm going to give you my servant so she will bore a child for me. That you, this could be our own. They do that. The, the uh, Hagar gets pregnant. She starts treating Sarah, starts taunting her. Sarah says, oh, no, you out of here. So she leaves. Hagar leaves. Then the angel of the Lord visits her and says, I need you to go back and submit to her authority. Now, this is the first thing when it comes to family drama that all of us have to realize. When it comes to family forgiveness, the first thing to overcome that is this, is that we have to walk in forgiveness. And I say walk in forgiveness because it can be a continual thing of forgiveness. It cannot just be a, oh, I forgive you one time, that's it. Well, sadly, sometimes you're going to have to keep forgiving. That's why you have to walk in forgiveness. This is something you have to walk in. Because just as though we were all born into sin, we're all born into family drama. All you did was be born, and you find yourself in some drama. Had absolutely nothing to do with you, but you in drama. Think about poor Ishmael. That's who was born, Ishmael, the son Ishmael. If you follow the story, you know Ishmael was the son that was born, but he wasn't a promised son. So Ishmael, when he was born, it's like God was like, yes, but no. It's like, I'm going to give Ishmael his, his deserted blessing and things, but that's not the son that I, have, I want to fulfill the promise through. So can you imagine young Ishmael, as he growing up, he's seeing his father, and not his mother, but his father's wife, mistreating him and his mother, and knowing, but dad, aren't you going to stand up for me? And he's like, I didn't ask to be here. How many of us have asked that same question? I didn't ask to be here. Why am I in this family? All you simply did was be born, and you find yourself in some family drama. You grow up, you realize, man, I didn't realize my family was this crazy. I didn't realize there's so much drama going on, but all you did was simply be born. But that's what happened to Ishmael because of the decisions of his parents. Because of decisions of adults that had nothing to do with them, he found himself in some family drama. That's why it's so important as, as adults that we make wise decisions because our decisions don't only just affect us, but they affect our kids and generations to come. So there's so many lessons that we can learn from this in family drama that we have to make sure that, hey, what am I doing? But the thing is this, is that now Hagar, I'm sorry, not no, Ishmael, he's found himself because of the sins of his natural fathers, now that affect him, and he's in turmoil, pain, and confusion. Don't that sound familiar? How many of you find yourself in turmoil, pain, and confusion because of family drama that had nothing to do with you? And you ask God the question, God, why did you allow this to happen? How, why does this have to happen to me, God? Why did you do this? And how do you disgrace, how do you erase the disgrace of our family? How do you walk, because some of us, we feel disgraced by some of the decisions and the things that happen. We're like, this is embarrassing. I don't want to tell anybody what's going on about this, because if I tell people, they're going to think, boy, what's wrong with your family? But everybody's family crazy. It, I don't care. It's like everybody's family has a little bit of something in it. Because why? We're all born into sin. And if, as long as they're sitting there, there's going to be some drama. But we have to say, but we, we get to this point where we say, well, how do I erase this disgrace that I feel in my heart? It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. It's simple. You have to walk in forgiveness. When the angel of the Lord spoke to Hagar and said, go back 
and submit to her authority. The only way a person can go back to mistreatment and submit to someone's authority, if they've already decided in their heart, I forgive them. Because if you don't choose to forgive, guess what? You're not going to submit to someone's authority. You're going to look for every right to disrespect their authority. Who do you not the boss of me? How are you going to tell me? what? Don't you know what you did? And you, no, no, no. When you walk in forgiveness, it says, you know what? I'm going to submit to the authority that God has placed over my life, even if it's mistreating me. And Hagar, she went back. And because of that, she was blessed. But the angel of the Lord said, go back, submit to her authority. And because of that, she was blessed and Ishmael was blessed as well. But this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is you cutting off the ties of the mayhem that has caused you years and heartache and shaped the outlook of your life. Because your family drama usually shaped the outlook of your life. The decisions that you make are based on things that have happened in your past. You say, well, the past has told me this, so this is how I'll make decisions in the future. And usually all of it is centered around things that have happened in your family. When I have my family, oh, we're not going to do this. When I have my family, we're going to do, and all the, the outlook of life has been shaped by things that you've experienced in your family. But the key to overcoming and cutting the ties of that is forgiveness. Because forgiveness is not for the other people. Forgiveness is for you. Because you're the one that needs forgiveness. But this is another thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not acceptance. Some people say, well, if I forgive, that means I'm accept-. That's not true. Forgiveness is not acceptance. Forgiveness is saying, I'm just simply all the turmoil, all the pain that I feel attached to this family drama. I'm going to ask God, God, help me to forgive them so I can disconnect my emotions, my soul, and my heart, and I can receive healing from the pain that I feel from this family drama. That's what healing does. I'm sorry, forgiveness does. It does that. It cuts the ties, and it brings healing. But until you get to the place of forgiveness, you're always going to be entangled in that family drama because it's going to always be a reminder to pull you back in. But as long that's why we say you have to walk in forgiveness because when those thoughts come back, guess what? Now i got to go back and forgive again. And over time, it may get a little bit easier, but in the event that it doesn't, that's why you have to walk in forgiveness. You have to walk in forgiveness. Y'all say walk in forgiveness. This is also what not forgiveness is not this as well. Forgiveness is not saying I have to find out everything in my past to bring understanding and clarity and healing. Because sometimes this is what happens. We'll get so caught up in I have to understand everything that happened in the past to know who I am. That's not true. Well, until I get answers, I can't move on from this. That's not true. That's a trap. Because what if you never find the answers? Because what if you never get the I'm sorry? Then what? What if you never get the answers there? I'm sorry. You're just going to stay stuck there? Sadly, so many people do. Well, until they forgive me, I'm not letting it go. You're just going to be holding on for a long time because you might not get it. I'm sorry. That's why you have to walk in forgiveness and say, you know what? Even if I don't get the answers that I feel like I need, I'm okay with that because when I get forgiveness, I'm cutting ties to the drama. And when you make that decision and you get it in your heart that, hey, I might not receive the answers of the, uh, or, the, uh, or the, the I'm sorry's, and you can disconnect from that, I'm telling you, that's when healing and you can move forward. But as long as you're stuck, and the en- oh, boy, the enemy, he's good at that. You, need to, you, you can't know where you're going until you know where you've been. 
and he'll get them seeds start, stuck in your head. You got to investigate, and you got to find out, and you got to know why they did this, and who did what, to who did who. And he wants to get you to, in that rat race and get you so caught up in that family drama that you can't even see clearly in front of you. There's people in front of you that need you, but you're so caught up in the things of the past that you can't move forward, and you're paralyzed. But I just can't sleep at night. I don't know what's going on, because you're entangled, and you need forgiveness. Because the forgiveness is for you, not for them. And what you do in those cases is you say, God, as I'm seeking you for forgiveness, forgive them as well. Bring them to a place where they can surrender to you and say, God, I, I, I need forgiveness for what I've done to those that I've hurt in the past. And you pray for them. But as long as you're trying to find answers that you may not get, guess what? You'll be always entangled in that family drama. You have to walk in forgiveness. Say, walk in forgiveness, because you might not get that answer. You might not get that I'm sorry. So to free yourself from that, walk in forgiveness. Another way to say it, simply put, let it go. Forgive and let it go, because the longer you stay entangled in it, it's going to keep you. We talked about the thorn in your flesh earlier. It's going to be a thorn in your flesh, constantly there to remind you of the pain of the family drama of your past. But when you walk in forgiveness, something happens. A weight lifts off of you. And you say, I can move forward with my life now. And it feels so much better to let it go than hold on to it. You got to let it go. So the first step when we're dealing with family drama, how do we overcome family drama? We walk in forgiveness. So now that we walk in forgiveness, we can move on to step two. And this is the second point. You can write this down. This is live in renewal. And I'm going to explain what that means. Live in renewal. You can't start renewal until you establish boundaries. When you establish boundaries, you have to see them and clearly state what they are. I'm going to read this verse, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper and explain it more. Psalms chapter 16, verse 6. And I'm reading out of the NIV, so it might be a little bit different than that. It says, the boundary lines have given, I'm sorry, boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. When you walk in forgiveness and you cut yourself from the ties of the past family drama, now you have to walk in renewal, saying my heart is renewed, my soul is renewed, my mind is renewed. Now I have to establish boundaries in my life to make sure that I stay free and that I'm in pleasant places. Like we just read that, it says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. So when you establish boundaries, guess what? There's peace that comes to you. Because you know, this is the boundary markers that I'm not going out of these parameters, and no one's coming in past these boundary markers. There's not walls. Now, I'm not talking about putting up walls and you don't let anybody in. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about simply put boundaries. These are conversations that I'm not having. These are, these are things that I'm not entertaining anymore in my life because I'm establishing boundaries. And because of their boundaries, guess what? Boundaries bring protection. Usually there's so much family drama because there's no boundaries. And where there's no boundaries, the enemy can run amok. He can do whatever he wants because there's no boundaries that have been established. It's important to know that in family drama, the enemy is after your inheritance, and that flows from generation to generation. That's why it says, it, falls, it says, I have a delightful inheritance. He's after your inheritance. 
And he know that the best way to destroy your inheritance is to fill your family with drama. Because families that are full of drama usually don't have an inheritance to pass on but drama. It's just the cycle you look back from generations, it's nothing but drama. From auntie to, to sister to brother, all the generations you look back, it's nothing but drama. Why is that? Because the enemy is after your inheritance. He wants to rob you of your inheritance. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2 through 3 says, Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates rivers, and they worship other gods. Uh, but I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him to, into the land of Canaan. I gave many descendants through his son Isaac. So I know I read that. You're like, what does this verse have to do with what we're talking about? We know that I, uh, Abraham, God gave Abraham the promise that says that I will give you as many descendants as the stars in the sky. And we, because of Abraham's faith, we're children of Abraham. That was his promise. But what Abraham uh, walked through was that his father worshipped other gods. Abraham had to separate from his father because his father worshipped other gods. And I'm pretty sure that they were just, what do you mean you don't want to worship my gods? Or my God's not good enough for you? Can you imagine the family drama between Abraham and his father when he had to disconnect from him? But Abraham said, you know what? I have to serve the one true God. And because Abraham established boundaries and said, I'm not serving your gods. I'm not following your ways. And he separated from his father and he made boundaries. Guess what? Now he moved into his inheritance. And guess what? You're a part of Abraham's inheritance. All because he established boundaries in his life. So when you establish boundaries, what you do is you set yourself up for the blessing and the inheritance of God. But if you set no boundaries or if you draw no boundaries and you can clearly state what they are, then guess what? The enemy just can come in and do whatever he wants. But when there's clearly marked boundaries, it says the line stops here. You can't pass go. Do not collect $200. There, there's, there's no inheritance for you there when, I, uh, when there's no boundaries. When you establish boundaries, there is an inheritance. Amen? But this is the thing about boundaries, and this is when the pressure comes. Because remember, we talk about the pressure of family drama. When you establish boundaries or you draw boundaries, things seem to get worse before they get better. That's comforting, isn't it? <laughs> things usually get worse before they get better. Because people that used to have access to you, now they don't. So, so you changing now. So, so you going to church and you, you following the Lord, so now you too good to be with us now. What's that? I've established some boundaries. When you start establishing boundaries, things may get worse before they get better. And all you simply did was say, for my, me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to establish some boundaries in my life. And now people don't like that. You too good for us. No, I'm not too good for you. I'm establishing boundaries. The access that you once had to my life, I'm cutting it off. It's boundaries now. I'm not entertaining that foolishness. It's not coming to my house. And, you, and I'll give you a perfect example of that. This one time, Tamara and I, we, uh, she had a friend, and she invited her friend over to the house because I cooked some food, and I was like, hey, why don't you invite her over to come? But when she gets to her house, she brings a man with her who's not her husband. And we know, hey, wait a minute, this, this ain't your husband. But she called us on the phone while she was outside and said, hey, is it okay if he comes in? And I said, no. 
he can't come in here. And tomorrow's like, but she's outside. I said, well, you're going to have to go outside and tell her that, she, that he can't come in. And so she was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. I was like, well, I don't know how it's going to go either, but he ain't coming in here. And if you go out and talk to her and it's a problem, then I'll come out and then we can whatever. But he's not coming in here. And so she had to go outside and tell her friend, hey, uh, he can't come in here. Why? Because our house, we established boundaries. First of all, both of y'all are still married to other people. Y'all not coming in here with that foolishness. I have a daughter that I have to protect. She knows your husband. She's going to say, who's this man, daddy? And you know, kids, they ask questions. And so, I'm, no, you're not coming in here. And so it was awkward. I'm sure I wasn't out there, but tomorrow told me. And, and I'm pretty sure it was an awkward conversation because I could see him behind the gate. And you know what? They didn't come in. And I think, I don't remember what happened. I don't know if she came back later or what, but I don't remember. But anyway, the point was he didn't come in. And I was like, no, because we have clearly established boundaries in our home. Could that have cost a friendship? It could have, but guess what? We have established boundaries in our home. And you have to come together and say, there are certain boundaries in my home that I'm not crossing. I'm not allowing these things to enter my home. I'm not allowing these things to enter my television. I'm not allowing these things to enter my ear and my children. I'm not put, I remember we used to have family gatherings at our house. My mom used to always say, don't come in here with that alcohol. I know y'all may drink, but y'all not coming in my house drinking. And you know what? Nobody came in her house and drunk because there were clearly established boundaries. You have to establish boundaries. And this is the thing, when, when uh, we have to learn to manage and coexist and dis I'm sorry, we have learned to manage and coexist and dysfunction so much that we are willing to defend habits that we know are contagious to our lives and keep us in bondage. That's why people don't establish boundaries. Because you get so caught up in the dysfunction that it's comfortable to you. It's normal to you. So when people start to speak out, maybe you should do this and establish, oh, I don't know about that. And it's, what, is, what is that pushback? You, you ever talk to someone that you know is in dysfunction? Like everything in their life is dysfunction, and you try to help them bring some clarity and some boundaries, and they give you nothing but pushback? What is that? That's because they're comfortable in their dysfunction. They learn how to coexist and cope with it, and they find other ways to deal with it. But when you try to bring order to it, oh, no, don't, don't mess with my dysfunction, what, you become comfortable in it. You have to learn how to establish boundaries. And the reason why is because, think about it, social media and media today has caused us that drama is exciting. You know, life isn't exciting unless there's a little drama. They got all these housewives of Atlanta, housewives of the Potomac, housewives of New York, housewives of Beverly Hills. They got all these reality shows full of drama. Tyler Perrin made a fortune off of drama. But we love drama. Ooh, y'all saw the new show on Netflix? Ooh, it's so good. It's full of drama. And we've been so consumed with drama that we feel like it's normal. You turn on the news, drama. Social media, oh, this one got shot. This one got robbed. This one, oh, drama. Everywhere you look, it's drama all around you because the media knows that drama sells. Drama makes money. When if, just think about this. If everything was perfect, everything was great, is that exciting in our minds? Man, what a little, I need a little drama, a little excitement. I need a little something. What is that? That is dysfunction. We've learned to coexist in dysfunction so much that the thought of bringing order to things, it scares people. Oh, I don't even know where to start. 
well, you need to start simple. You need to establish some boundaries. But these are three pressure-filled boundary renewals that we have to make. These are three pressure-filled boundary renewals we have to make. One, we have to identify what you can control. Identify what you control. Identify who is the head of the household. If the head of the household can't bring order to the household, drama will take over. First of all, if you're in a single family home, whoever the single parent is, that's the head of the household. If it's a husband and wife, the husband should be the head of the household. And if the head of the household can't bring order, guess what? Drama is going to sue. It's going to be, you just, it's just like letting in, come on in. It's like letting them on in. You have to establish order and control things that you can control. I can only control what's in my house. Meaning this, I can't go move into my dad's house and try to run over and take control of my dad's house. That's his house. That's why I moved out. I'm not, this is his house. If I want to be in control, I got to get my own house. I mean, your parents ever told you that? When you want to be grown, go get your own house. But as long as you're in my house, you're going to live by my rules. But if you want to be grown, then you go out and get your own place, and you be grown in your place. But don't come in here trying to run stuff. This is my house. You can only control what you control. And family drama usually ensues when people try to step over into other people's households and run their houses. I'm going to step into my son or daughter situation in their marriage and help them out a little bit because they need a little help. No, they don't. Let them figure it out themselves. But when you try to step over and you have to know this, boundaries or renewal, I know and I identify what I control, control. The second thing is this, create an exit plan and remove all things out of your control. What is this? Just like you have to know what's in your control, know what's not in your control. No, these are things that I cannot control. And this is a great example. If you are in a household and you have adults living in your household that is causing drama, you need to discover a three to six month exit plans to get them up out of your house. I'm talking about adults that are causing drama. Now I know there's different situations, financial situations, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have grown adults in your house, whether they're your kids or not, your, un your cousins, brothers, whoever, I don't care. If it's grown adults in your house causing drama, you need to create an exit plan and say you got three to six months to get out. Because I'm establishing boundaries in my house, and because of that, we need peace in my house. But see, the thought of that brings pressure. That, that's pressure. See, when I'm, t I'm talking about establishing, oh, what we're talking about, the pressure of family drama. That brings pressure. When you, when you start bringing order to things, there's an instant pressure. That, see, some of you in that situation, you felt the pressure when I said it. It just hit you up and down the spine. Ooh, I don't know if I could do that. That's going to cause drama. That's the pressure. But you have to say, no, I'm going to create some boundaries, and I need renewal in my mind. I need renewal and peace in my home. If you can't go home to peace in your own home, where can you go to? You're going to go to the bar. You're going, to go some, you're, going to, you're going to do something to substitute where you feel like you can find peace. But I'm telling you, if you have grown people in your house that's causing drama, three to six months, you find your exit plan, but you got to go. And if it's a husband and wife household, y'all have to be on the same page. One can't say, well, you know, they're going through a difficult time. Yeah, they could go through a difficult time, but they're going to have to figure it out on their own, not in here. We gave them time, but they're causing drama in my house. And no, it, it can't go on any longer. 
three to six month exit plan. I know y'all say, Pastor, that's kind of rough. No, it's not. If they're grown adults, they can figure it out. I'm telling you, they'll figure, they will figure it out. You put a little pressure on them and they feel the pressure, they'll make some things happen. They'll figure it out. And if they don't, God's with them. And he'll help them figure it out. <laughs> I'm serious. God will help them and they'll figure it out. So this is the third thing. Silence all outside voices. Silence all outside voices. What is this? Voices who speak into your life should have an example that follows what they say. I just don't let anybody speak into my life. The people that speak into my life, the things that they say, I can look at their life and say what they say backs how they live. I can see what they say is backed by how they live. And some people, you just let anybody speak. I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm just saying people. They let anybody just speak into their life. Oh, I just met such and such at the store, and they were speaking to my life. Who was? I just met this lady at the store. We had a good conversation, and she started prophesying over me. You don't know nothing about this person, but you letting them speak into your life? That, I I don't, this is, now this, as a, this is something that baffles me, not even as a pastor, as a person. When you follow Christ, you have to realize how precious your life is. You have one life. You decide, you make all the decisions, hopefully with the help of God making those decisions, but ultimately you make the decisions for your life. And I don't understand how some people just let anybody speak into their life. Do you not realize how valuable your life is? how valuable your life is in the sight of God, and yet you let anybody speak into your life? That's crazy to me. No wonder why your life is full of drama, because you letting everybody speak into your life. But you have to silence the outside voices. That means when you start making decisions to bring order to your household, there are going to be people that say, I don't know why you're doing that. I don't think you should do it. Well, you do how you want to do in your house, but it was me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm bringing order, and I'm bringing peace to my house, and this is what I feel the Lord is calling us to do. So I'm silencing all these outside voices, and I'm going to serve the Lord. Drama ends when you begin to silence outside voices that have no weight or right to speak into your life. The fastest way to eliminate drama, silence outside voices. Because if you don't hear them, there's nothing to feed you drama. But as long as you give them an ear, full of drama. Silence the voices. You want to eliminate the drama? Silence the outside voices. So the first thing in overcoming family drama, we have to walk in forgiveness. Second thing, we have to live in renewal. The third thing, and this is, this is good, we have to find purpose in the kingdom. Find purpose in the kingdom. In Matthew 12, verse 46 through 50, and on the heading in the Bible, it says, the true family of Jesus. If you read it, it says, the true, I thought it was, ah, the true family of Jesus. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brother are, out, are standing outside, and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What was Jesus saying here? Yes, his mother and brother were standing outside the tent, and that's his family. But what he was saying is that my true family is those in the kingdom of God. And usually when there's family drama, people say, I have to distance myself from my family. I have to. That's not necessarily what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is that 
when I partner with you and you serve me in the kingdom of God, guess what? Now we become children and family of the kingdom. That is a different type of family. That is an eternal family. Our family here on earth is earthly. But guess what? When we build for the kingdom, that's a kingdom family that we're going to live with for all of eternity. And Jesus even said in himself, he says, I've come to separate father and son, son against daughter, uh, son against father, mother against daughter, uh, daughter against mother. He says, I come to bring division. Why? All those saying that those are in favor for me will be with me and those against me will will oppose me. And as long as there's division among who's going to follow Jesus or not, there's always going to be drama especially when it comes to following Jesus, because even his own family, that was full of drama. Even when Jesus, in the, oh, if y'all watch The Chosen, The Chosen does a great job of depicting this. When Jesus went back to his hometown to preach to them, his family was the one that tried to push him off the cliff. They, when he was in the synagogue teaching to them, who does he think he is? And they were offended by him. Jesus knows what family drama is about because he was in family drama. And so we have to know that when it comes to eliminating family drama, how do I get rid of family drama? I have to find purpose in the kingdom of God. Because as long as you're caught up in your family drama, you never think about the kingdom of God, and you'll never find purpose. But the most fulfilling thing that you can ever do in life is find purpose in the kingdom of God. Here at New Life, our mission statement, y'all see it on the screen. It says, united by truth, developed in relationships to reach the world around us. That's not just a cute saying. That's what we really live by. And all of us have come, you know what the church is? The body of the church as a whole, not just new life, but the church. It's a bunch of dysfunctional families full of drama coming together for the purposes of the kingdom of God. So all of us come from family drama. But we all say, guess what? We're joined together by the truth of the word. What we're going to develop in relationship to, for the, to reach the world around us, which is the kingdom of God. We're working to build the kingdom of God. But then some people say, well, I don't want to go to church because there's more drama in churches than there is in my family. Well, as long as they're sin, there's going to be drama. But guess what? We work together and we're united by the truth of the word of God. So any disagreements we have, guess what? We have the Bible as our blueprint to go back to to say, this is how we get back on track. But when there's no uh, foundation of the word or godly relationships, there's nothing to go back to if there's a disagreement. And so drama ensues, but drama can be quickly squelched when there's purpose in mind. When kingdom purpose is in mind, guess what? It's hard to think about things to bicker about because we focus on the kingdom of God. That's why it's so important that every family needs a mission. How to eliminate family drama out of your life? Every family needs a personal mission. What does that mean? That means as my house, this is our mission as a family. We're going to build the kingdom of God. The greatest thing you could give your family is to give them a mission in building and the purposes of God for building the kingdom. Because you can leave your family all the money, all the inheritance in the world, and not give them the kingdom. And when they die, you end, they end up with nothing. But if you give them the kingdom, when they die, guess what? They have riches for all of eternity. Because their treasure is stored in heaven, not here. Am I saying don't leave them in inheritance? That's not what I'm saying. And our pastor say don't leave them nothing. That's not what I'm saying. Leave them an earthly inheritance, yes. But the most important thing is a, is, is a kingdom inheritance. That the focus is building the kingdom. That's the greatest thing that you could do for your family. And as men, if you're single, you need to work on the mission even before you're married. But even before you can, oh, when I get my family, no, no, no. When you're single, that's the time to start building the mission. 
Because even before Tamara and I got married, I was busy building the kingdom of God. So when we came together as husband or wife, it was easy to say, well, this is, this is the mission I'm on. What, what are your, your mission? I feel like God has called me to ministry. Guess what? Well, let's do this thing together. And guess what? Well, now we're the pastors of a church now. We didn't know that when we first got together. But what we were doing, we were busy uh, building the kingdom of God individually. So when we came together, it was a simple process. So now what? We pass an inheritance down to our daughter to say, now our mission as a family, we build the kingdom of God. And when you practice building the kingdom, and that's the mission of your family, there's little room for family drama. Now, it's not to say that your family's going to be perfect, because there's going to be things that, because sin, things going to come up. But the main focus won't be that. The main focus will be the kingdom of God. And we have to make sure that that is our focus, the kingdom of God. And I think about great men uh, of the faith that have said, you know what, I'm, when they, and I guarantee you, if you, and most of them, I passed away except for, I got three examples of men that I want to share. Uh, one is still alive, two of, of going to be in heaven. But I think about Abraham in the Bible. When he made that decision to separate from his father, Terah, and worshiping his gods, I'm pretty sure at that moment he didn't think that his inheritance would be what it is today in heaven. That he wouldn't think that, wow, God, you chose me to be the father of faith and all these people will be my descendants because of my one act of faith. Yes, Abraham, that's the inheritance I have for you. But he was busy building the kingdom of God, even though at the time he may not even know what that meant. But guess what? Because he took the step of faith to say that I'm going to bring my family, we're going to serve. And he made mistakes just like we all do. But guess what? He got it right. We still talking about him today as the father of faith. And there's other great men of faith like uh, John Osteen. Some of you are like, who's John Osteen? That's Joel Osteen's dad. He built a legacy to say, you know what, I'm going to live my life for the kingdom of God, and I'm going to give it to my family. And I'm pretty sure when he started out pastoring his church that he didn't think that it would be what it is today that his son has turned it into. That millions upon millions of people weekly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because one man's decision to say, I'm going to follow God, and our family is going to be part of mission. I think about Dr. Tony Evans. That man's one decision— Priscilla Shire, everybody knows who she is. How many people has she influenced as a result of her father? And don't think about all the things that he, people he's influenced. And his son, Anthony Evans, he's an artist. Like, his family is all part of a mission because he said, I'm going to give my family the mission of building the kingdom of God. And I even think about the legacy of our, uh, well, tomorrow and I come from uh, Bethany Church in Baton Rouge, the church that I grew up in. Roy Stockstill was the founder of Bethany. He started off in a Baptist church, and back in those times when he was starting off, the Holy Spirit wasn't really popular in the Baptist church, but he felt like he needed more. And so as he began to explore, there were some men that, that, uh, that had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he saw the joy and the freedom that they found. He said, that's what I need. So he broke away from the Baptist church that he was a part of, and he started Bethany Church. And you know where he started from? In his living room with just a few families. And now, as of today, he passed, this, he passed the church down to his son, Larry Stocksdale. Some of you may have heard of him. And when Pastor Larry took over the church, it exploded. Because Brother Roy introduced the freedom of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and Pastor Larry was a teacher. And he began to teach practical words, kind of like what you're hearing today. And he started, let me teach you how to live your life, how to manage your home. 
how to build your finances, how to have great marriages. And he began to teach the word of God, and the church began to explode. And then Pastor Larry passed it down to our pastors, tomorrow and our pastor, and our overseer, Pastor Jonathan Stocksdale, who's a pastor of Bethany now. And he's taken the influence even more on a global scale. So much so that Bethany just launched its first camp, its first church outside of Louisiana just this week in Puerto Rico. Well, now they have a, a goal where in Puerto Rico, all of the Caribbean, the countries of the, and islands of the Caribbean will be a hub where they will come to Bethany to learn, to, to pastor, get training, to go out and launch churches and do different things. And God is using that church mightily, globe, a global impact. And that started this year, be 60 years. But guess what? That's the DNA that tomorrow and I come from, and that's the DNA that you are part of now, because that's our covering. But what am I saying all this for? My point is this. You don't know what the inheritance that God has for you when you say our family is going to be set up on mission. When we are purposed to build the kingdom of God, there, you do not know the influence that God will give you and your family to do great things for the kingdom of God when you make and build in his kingdom priority. That's how you overcome family drama. But as long as you're stuck in that family drama and you don't make a priority of building the kingdom of God, family drama will ensue because that will be your focus. It will consume you. That's why every family needs a local church. Because why? It connects you to building the kingdom of God. That's how you get rid of family drama, y'all. You walk in forgiveness. You say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build or live in renewal, and I'm going to set my mind on finding purpose in the kingdom of God. And I promise you, will it eliminate family drama? No, but guess what? You can easily disconnect from it. And you can set the boundaries and say, family drama, it ends right here. It ends with me. I, I recognize you, I see you, but I'm establishing some boundaries. I'm walking in freedom. I'm walking in forgiveness. I'm walking in purpose and building the kingdom of God. I'm establishing them boundaries. And guess what? I'm free from the chains of family drama in my past. How many of y'all can need some freedom from family drama in your past? I'm telling you, these three simple things, if you do those, but guess what? It's pressure in all three. It's pressure in all three. But you have to push through the pressure and know that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And as long as God is on your side, as long as God is with you, you can do it. You can overcome. And you can leave an inheritance for generation and generation to come and break the cycle of family drama because the enemy wants to rob your inheritance and keep you in a place full of drama. But we put the devil on notice today. Say, devil, today is the last day. I'm caught up. I'm finished with this. Family. I'm not getting caught up. I'm free from family drama. Amen. Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for your word. Lord, I thank you that it spoke clearly to our hearts today. Lord, I thank you that we're free from the pressure of family drama. I thank you right now, Lord God, that you've given us what, the ability to walk in forgiveness, that we forgive those that we need to forgive, Lord God, and that we cut the ties from the mayhem and the pain and the turmoil that family drama has caused us up until this point. But Lord, I pray that in this moment that you give us a heart to forgive a heart to forgive. Not that we're saying that we're accepting or we approve of what happened to us, but we're saying, Lord, I need the forgiveness for myself, that I could be made right with you, that my prayers won't be hindered. And Lord, as I receive the forgiveness, that I can walk in forgiveness, 
that I can establish boundaries, that I can be renewed, Lord God, and, and that I can find purpose in building the kingdom of God for me and my family. I thank you, Lord God, that victory is coming today. I bind the thief, the enemy that will try to come in and hinder and steal what you're doing and the work that you're starting right now. And I pray that it'll be a complete finished work, Lord God. And now that it'll be a swift work. It'll be a quick work. And the pressure that we feel if we have to establish boundaries, I thank you, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to give us the ability to establish those boundaries that need to be made. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, what you're doing in this room. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You can keep your uh, head bowed and your eyes closed. I want to give one final invitation. That's for anyone in the room or you watching online and you don't have a relationship with God. You want to come in right relationship with him. And I know we talked about forgiveness of family drama, but you need forgiveness from the Savior. You need forgiveness from your sin. And I just want to give you an opportunity today to get right with God. Maybe you served God at one point and you backslid, but you want to come back to God in right relationship with him today. If that's you, with no one looking around the room, I just want to give you an opportunity to come in right relationship with the Lord. And with no one looking around, just lift your hand. You want to receive Jesus in your heart. You want your sins to be forgiven. Just lift your hand, and I want to pray for you. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart, and you can repeat this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for coming into my heart and forgiving me for all of my sin. I thank you that in this moment that I am forgiven, that my past is forgiven, that your blood has cleansed me and made me whole. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give a Lord, the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. On the back, it says, I made a decision. You can fill that out and drop it in the offering bucket on the way out. And also, if you're online, let us know. You can email us at info at newlifemobile.org. Email us, let us know uh, that you made the decision. We'd love to connect with you as well. Uh, before we disconnect from you guys online, I want to give you a couple announcements. Uh, this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., we have a vision night here at the church. We'd love for you to come to be a part of it here. Uh, what's upcoming in the next few months here at New Life Church, how you could be a part of it. We're going to give you some great information of how you can connect, upcoming events and things we have planned in store for you. It's going to be a great night, vision night, this Wednesday at 6.30. But also, if you've recently been water baptized, or I'm sorry, if you've recently been saved, we have water baptisms next Sunday. So next Sunday here in the service, we're going to have water baptisms. This is your time to do that. If you're watching online you want to uh, get baptized, just email info at newlifemobile.org. That's info at newlifemobile.org. Let us know that you would like to be water baptized. We'd love to, uh, uh, for you to participate in that next Sunday, 10 a.m. right here in service. we love for you to be a part of that. And also, if you're prepared to give, there's a couple ways you could do that. You could go to our website, which is newlifemobile.org. You could download our app to give, or you can mail in a check, a morning order. We're going to pray for those online that are prepared to, to, uh, to give, and you guys are dismissed. Lord, we thank you. 
uh, for those that are prepared to give. I thank you, Lord God, for the tithe and the offering that's coming in. I pray that you bless each and every person, bless every area of their life, every need that they have. I pray that you meet it, and I thank you, Lord God, that you're with them in all that they do. Bless the offering, Lord God, and let it expand the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, we want to invite you guys out to Vision Night this Wednesday, water baptism next Sunday. We'd love for you to be a part of that as well. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Y'all have a great, great Sunday. Amen. Amen. How many of y'all feel good today? How many say that word was for me? Amen. Hey, next week, we're just going to go a little bit deeper. I know we talked about the pressure of sin. Today, we talked about the family, uh, the pressure of family drama. We're going to talk about another area of pressure, but y'all got to wait to see what that one is next week.